All right. Welcome in to a Thursday edition of the Sports Huddle on CMO ESPN, 1220 AM, 93.5 FM. And you can always find us online at CMO Eric Sean and Missouri Sports Hall of Famer Jess Bolin inviting you to join us here in the huddle. Here's our EBOMD Huddle Hotline number. It is 573-334-1220. 573-334-1220. The Huddle Hotline powered by EBOMD. Jess Bolin in the house. I'm uh, I'm feeling a little under the weather today, Jess. My voice uh, sounding a little kooky. And... I was so stuffed up last night trying to sleep, and you can't get any air. And then this morning, wake up, and then the nose won't stop running. It's the worst. Well, don't breathe through this little. That's not much of a barrier between us. Just right. So kind of look to your side. You're going you're, you're to have to carry me today. Dude. Yeah, one of the 365 days this year. Yeah. Uh, just turn your head when you breathe, okay? All right. We can do that. Well, how was your night other than, th- than that? There wasn't much on for me to watch. Um, in fact, I watched a movie on Netflix, Safe Haven. How was it? It was a pretty good movie. You know, a woman trying to escape her husband that beat her, that kind of dribble. And her husband actually was a cop. Domestic so, abuse, okay. Good no. time. But anyway, it's a... Uh, <clears throat> It's boring when you watch movies in the afternoon. <laughs> so the snow continues to fall in Buffalo. Uh, they're going to get about six more inches in the next 24 to 48 hours. Sunday night is the football game between the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills, Jess, and uh, potential good news for the Chiefs. Sky Moore, wide receiver who did not play last week, returned to practice. And so he is practicing. Kadarius Moore is back in practicing on a limited basis. So we don't know if either or both of those receivers will be ready to go by Sunday. But uh, the news probably a little more optimistic for Sky Moore. He was practicing without limits Kadarius Tony uh who has a hip issue also practice but on a limited basis so uh the potential to get a couple of weapons back for Patrick Mahomes that could be good news absolutely especially wide receivers I mean that's where he needs help need some people can catch the ball on the other end I'm looking forward to that game I don't know about you but Two good quarterbacks, young, high-powered quarterbacks. I really think that at this stage, probably Josh Allen gets a little more credit for being just a shade better than Mahomes. I'm not. I mean, it's just Cardinal who you talk to, but both of them are excellent, and I enjoy watching either one of them. I can watch either one of them play a game, not have anything on the line for the Chiefs, and still enjoy it. Can you? Buffalo and you would think that Josh Allen is going to get some MVP votes because I think most people have already given the award to Lamar Jackson, Baltimore being the number one seed. But if you just go look at the numbers, 
Josh Allen's numbers are much better than Lamar Jackson, but they're the number one seed. Jackson has had a good year. But I don't think enough people are talking about how well Josh Allen is playing right now. I don't either. And we'll see what happens in the playoffs. But um, I think Buffalo's a dark horse. And like I said, I think Detroit is in the NFC. But, you know, the line would say, I'm sure if Vegas would say San Francisco, Baltimore, the Ravens. Because they really are, during the season, they were the two best teams in each division or each conference. And both of them have a good enough quarterback. I guess Purdy would be the guy that would be more suspect when you think in deep in the playoffs than the other teams. I think there are more qu- questions been, about Purdy. He's been good all year, you know, and except that little three-game stretch there, about, I guess, close to halfway during the season. It's hard to, in whatever you got, if it's a 17-game schedule, an 82-game schedule like NBA and hockey, or 162-game schedule in baseball, Somewhere along the way, you're going to stumble. You just It's just hard to do. That's why you think back of Miami Dolphins going undefeated. And I think back then, it was a 14-game schedule and three games to win. What is it, 17 overall streak for Miami to, uh, to go undefeated that year? 14 games and then three in the playoffs, if I'm correct. Yeah, I think they went 17 and 0. Nobody's done it since. Now, to go undefeated now, you'd have to win 17 regular season plus the playoffs. So, it's um, you know, it's just one of the things where it's difficult to do. You know, nobody in baseball is ever going to do it. I mean, never even come close. But I wonder what the longest winning streak is in baseball in big leagues. The Oakland, the Oakland A's a few years ago, they won 20-something in a row. Yeah, well, Cardinals won 17 in a row, you remember, about three years ago. There's been some 20-game winning streaks in big leagues. I don't think, like I said, I don't think anybody ever reached 30 in a row. It's hard to play any season. And not lose the game. The nineteen sixteen New York Giants <clears throat> under John McGraw won twenty six consecutive games. Well, I guess the Capitol winning streak then is above all of those. Nineteen eighty seven we won twenty eight straight. And what was unusual about it is the first twenty eight out of the shoot, twenty eight no. Then we lost down at Memphis. And, you know, usually when you get beat, you'll get the streak stops. You'll get beat pretty handily. We didn't. We lost three to two. And the tying run was thrown out at the plate by poor coaching by me. Dr. Death in the third base coaching uh, box. You know, I... I assume, you know, when you when you coach it or do anything and you assume 
then you're in danger. And we had a guy at second base from Dexter that was really fast. I mean, he was just, he'd be a base stealer in the big leagues. He was that fast. He was on second with a tie run. The guy got a base hit into left center. And, you know, I'm the game's tied, as far as I'm concerned. And I don't know whether, whether he read the ball off the bat, bad or what, but he got the third. It took him a long time to get the third. And I'm assuming that he's going, well, I'm looking at the ball in the outfield, and then you glance at the runner, you know. And I'm assuming he can make it on that kind of base hit, and something happened. He just didn't get a good good jump or something, and he got thrown out. Still close, but it did get thrown out of the plate. So if you go modern baseball, you know, that New York Giants 26-game streak was in 1916. So if we want to go modern-day streak, Jess, uh, it happened just seven years ago. The Cleveland Indians in 2017 yeah. won 22 consecutive <clears throat> games, and when they had their streak snapped, it was snapped by the Kansas City Royals. They lost 4-3. to three. Now, I was thinking the Oakland Athletics, they won. Yeah, I forgot about Cleveland, though. That I mean, like I say, that's not been too long ago. 2017. Yeah. If you've seen the movie Moneyball, yes. it was about the 2002 season. The A's ripped off. 20 consecutive wins in 2002 and it's documented in that movie if you've ever seen it has anybody had a winning streak to match the cardinals of three or four years ago i say three or four years ago it might have been six years ago you know how years go by and that was 2017 2021 when they won 17 there's been a ton of teams that won 17 in a row one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams have won 17 games in a row. And were the Cardinals, the St. Louis Maroons back in 1884, did, did they transform to the Cardinals? Yeah, they were some kind of weird names back 1884, then. 1884. The St. Louis Maroons won 20 games in a row. So that's tied for the fifth longest streak. So the same as the 02 Oakland A's. I don't know how we got on winning streaks, but um, the Blues, as you said on your capsule report of 8-6 and six with this new coach, Play tonight. They need to start winning a few games if they're going to make the playoffs. Playoffs are a little tougher in hockey. I mean, you have because you have to get, I'd say, ninety-two to hundred points in hockey to make it. When you get two points for every win, one point for if you make it in the regular game clock of sixty minutes tied and you go to overtime and you lose, you still get one point there. I don't know if they got a good enough team to make the playoffs or not. They're borderline. And if they get in the playoffs, they probably won't go anywhere. 
Well, right now they're five points out of the last wild card. Now, that's two and a half games in baseball, if you figure it that way, which is plenty of time to make it up. So the Blues have put Kaspari <coughs> Kapanen just on injured reserve. They expect him to be out, lower body injury, uh, into February. So Kapanen, who ended a 21-game goalless streak the other night. Tell us it's a knee or it's an ankle or something, lower body. So this is interesting. The Blues have called up, you know, to make a roster move. They have called up forward Adam Gaudet from the AHL. Yeah, about 24 goals, isn't he, down there? He leads the AHL in scoring 24 goals. That's four more than the next closest player. 36 points, third in the league, as are his 130 shots on goal. Was he a draft choice last year, I wonder, or did it say how old he is? Because the Blues have really got some good young players. I think he's been up in the NHL before. I think he does, too. I think I read where he's got a few games of NHL experience. But I I don't blame him for bringing him up. They need more guys that can shoot and score. He played for Vancouver. So, but you've got somebody who is putting the puck in the net coming up. Well, Kapanen wasn't. I mean, he was a good player. He's played in 218 career NHL games. Canucks played a couple of seasons with the Blackhawks, only played in 15 games. And the last time he was in the NHL, 2021-22, played in 50 games with the Ottawa Senators. So he's got NHL experience, and now they're calling him up. See if he can they help need, the offense. Yeah, they, and they need somebody. They need help. They need somebody who can put the puck in the net a little more consistently than what they're getting. But they have been playing better hockey under this new coach. The games are losing. In fact, I don't remember with this coach. It might it might have happened. I don't remember getting blown out. You know, like a six to one game or something. Maybe once they got beat like five to one or something. But I don't remember too many games that they didn't have a chance to win. Yeah, they lost at home to Florida January 9th, five to one. But that's been the most lopsided loss. The last two losses, they lost to the Bruins in overtime, so they got a point. They were tied with Philadelphia Monday with five and a half minutes to go, two two. And well, it's four to two. Philly scored the go-ahead goal, and then they got an empty netter, so they lost four to two in that game. And Joel Hofer, he had a bunch of saves in that game. He's been kind of a surprise to me. I thought he'd really have trouble. And, you know, he's not been great, but he's had a stretch there. I think where he won three in a row or four. That's all you ask of a backup goaltender, just if he can play 500. So Alexander Ovechkin 
he's off to a really slow start. Uh, he only has eight goals. Well, he's getting pretty old, isn't he? At least he's 36? 38. Yeah. Well, maybe time, father time catching up. I think there were a lot of people that just took for granted he was going to catch Gretzky. I don't know now. He may not. Well, how many is he behind now? 120 or so? He's got 830. And I'll have to look up Gretzky. But he may not, and they are not playing well. They've only won four of their last ten games. <clears throat> Six o'clock face-off tonight with the Washington Capitals. Ovechkin needs 73 goals to pass Gretzky. Well, he's closer than I thought. But he's only got eight this year. Well, it's not. You wouldn't think he would get better next year at age 39. Hockey's a tough sport. It's like football. So much body contact. Your body just years and years. Just think of that. The, and the knees and stuff like that. And, you know, on skates, people clip your legs out from under you all the time. And, um, I think 38's pretty old for hockey. Absolutely. So we shall see. How many 38-year-old guys you see in the NFL? <laughs> Not a lot of them. A running back's life expectancy for oh, a football no, yeah. player is about three years, isn't it? You're not going to see a 38-year-old running back no, very you often. Just, you can't take that pounding. I don't know how old... Um, Emmett Thomas. Adrian Peterson was when he retired. When it not was it Emmett Thomas or the Emmett Smith? Emmett Smith, yeah, of Dallas. He played in his thirties pretty well, I think. But he had a great offensive line in front of him too. So we talked about it yesterday about Alabama basketball coach Nate Oates pushing, shoving Aiden Shaw of Mizzou. No technical foul, and, of course, after the game, Dennis Gates said, I just posed the question, if that was players in a huddle with a hand on an opponent, what would take place? It would be an automatic technical foul, right? I thought I saw two referees in the huddle. It wasn't a technical foul. Well, the Southeastern Conference has responded, Jess. They came down with the hammer on Aiden or on uh, Nate Oates for shoving Aiden Shaw. A public reprimand. That's it. No suspension. Greg Sankey is the SEC commissioner. Here's what he said. Nate Oates' actions were unacceptable and violated the expectations for conduct and sportsmanship as established by the membership of the Southeastern Conference. Under no circumstances should a coach make intentional contact with a student-athlete on an opposing team. And Oates said, no disrespect to him or his program. I apologize to both Coach Gates and Aiden Shaw. Aiden seems like a great kid. It was an unfortunate situation, but I apologize to both of them.
How does he skate and not get a one-game suspension? I have no idea. No idea. I mean, when Scott Edgar was a basketball coach at SEMO, he went off on the officials during a post-game interview with me after a game, and they contacted the radio station. They wanted a copy of the recording of his post-game interview. So we provided that, and the Ohio Valley Conference, he was criticizing the officials. He got a one-game suspension for criticizing officials. But you shove a player, they just say, we're giving you a, a public reprimand. Let's move on. That's a little weak. Who cares about a public reprimand? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> what teeth really? does that have? <coughs> Run out going to do it again. Gonna, now they'll be, they'll be exclamatory type of message. Going to go in your file. <laughs> <clears throat> Public yeah. reprimand. It's in your file. Come on. So, there you go. We have some finality with the Nate Oates thing. He skated, didn't he? He sure did. Yeah. So, do you remember a hockey player for the Blues... Tony Herkus. Yeah. Okay. Tony Herkus is now 57. He is a scout for the Tampa Bay Lightning, former Blue. Recently, he was up in the press box during a game, and he saved the life of a league employee by performing the Heimlich maneuver when that individual was turning purple at a recent Kings-Red Wings game in Los Angeles. He apparently was choking on a pretzel, and Herkus performed the Heimlich maneuver and is credited for potentially saving the man's life up in the press box. Well, you're, you know, when you have something like that happen to you, it's just uh, just good luck that you have someone in the you know, in the area there that can know how to do that. Uh, I learned how to do that a long time ago in uh, Red Cross training. And, um, but, you know, you go whole, your whole life and never be in a situation where you need to do that. I didn't make it as far as getting through my life without doing it. I had to do that actually a couple times. I almost had to do that to my wife. Uh, we were Dairy Queen, and Mary really got choked. I mean, it was bad. You know, you can always tell when somebody's about to lose it. TJ was sitting next to me, and TJ was no more than eight or nine. We were sitting in the booth, and I, I couldn't get his attention to get him out of the booth, so I just bumped him out on the ground. He fell out on the floor. And I got up to get her up, you know, and, and do the Heimlich. And and you know what I noticed afterwards? She uh, didn't have to have it because she did finally swallow the food. But it was close. And um, 
already was behind her and had my arms locked around her. That's how close it was. But nobody helped. There was, I bet, 10 people in there sitting around, a lot of guys that could have helped me. And because when you, when you stand somebody up, they could collapse at any moment. Now you're not just balancing them and getting ready to do it. Now you, you got to hold them up also. So that kind of surprised me that nobody even walked over toward us. In other words, it was us or nothing, you know. So g good for him. Tony Herkus was there and was actually able to help somebody. Moral of the story, be careful when you're eating pretzels. Oh, be careful when you're eating anything. Most of the time, you know, it, it's it's meat that you get uh, hung up on, like stringy roast beef or something like that, you know. And maybe you don't drink enough fluids while you're eating. You know, people might take four or five bites and never take a drink. So your throat gets dried out and it gets caught. But we all do it. You know, we all have done it before. I mean, I've pretty well eaten a hamburger before and never take a drink. So. And be careful when you're eating a hot dog. Little Karen <clears throat> in the movie Field of Dreams got the hot dog stuck in her throat. Bert, you know, that Bert Lancaster fall, had to. She takes off of the little grandstands there. That should have broken loose. Remember, she fell straight on her back. Either make you swallow it or make you throw up <laughs> the way she fell. That's a great movie. Remember when Burt Lancaster gets to the chalk line and stops? And... Hey, rookie, you yeah. were good. If you haven't seen that movie, folks, I would suggest if you like sports at all, and I think. If you're listening to this show, you've got some interest in sports, and that's a good one. All right, Jess. What, wait a minute. Before we go any further, what's your number one baseball movie ever? Is I'd say it's 61 or The Natural. You got born better than those two, or is one of those the best you ever seen? I'll go with 61. I like 61 also, but I don't know if it's my number one. Um, major League's pretty good. Yeah, it's kind of what kind of movie you want. You know, Major League's a comedy, and uh, 61's a drama. True story, though. It is. Major League is not. I couldn't watch The Natural for a long time because they, they were acting like they were in the major leagues, but the name of the team was St. Uh, what, New York Knights? Right. And, um, but the teams they were playing were real. Yeah, the teams they were playing were, were, you know, the Yankees and teams like that. Pirates, Cubs, yeah. But, you know, Robert Redford and Glenn Close and I well, was Wil Wilford Brimley right. was the coach. I loved him in that movie. Did you? He wanted to be a farmer. <laughs> hey, I know baseball people like him, and there used to be a lot more of them. Heavy guy in the dugout griping about everything comes along and couldn't get a drink out of the drinking fountain. You remember because the water was black. <laughs> Looks like we could at least, least have somewhere to get a drink. <laughs> that movie's pretty good. So the Lions-Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, Jess, the average 
ticket price right now, according to Jeff Goodman, who's the CEO of Ticket Smarter, he told USA Today Sports the average price for a ticket for the Lions game, $1,080. Well, all I can say is I'm going to the game. I'm going to sell my house and buy a ticket, a couple of tickets. So I'll be there. Got to sell your house to make it. Who would pay a thousand bucks? His to... tongue in cheek, folks. I'm not going. <coughs> I wouldn't go if they give me a thousand. And according to USA Today, <coughs> several sellers on TickPick have set their price above $10,000, with one seller posting four tickets for seats. In section 106, row 36, at $12,453 a piece. Now, see, if you took that same ticket grand. on the street and was walk, asking people to walk by if, if they buy it, I guess you still would get arrested for scalping, right? Probably. But you can get online or somewhere and, and get any amount of money you want. That, that doesn't make sense to me. They've got a legal avenue for you to sell your tickets. Would you go if they gave you $1,000? If they gave me $1,000? Yeah, $1, knowing each other expenses, you're going to have to come up with your flight and everything else. No. I wouldn't either. If they gave me $1,000, I would not go. I am not interested in being at a lot of sporting events. I, I, I am at plenty of sporting <clears throat> events. I would much rather kick back in the luxury of your own home and watch it in high def. Get to hear all of the announcers and breaking the game down get to see replay the whole thing get to listen to whoever the officials expert is on that particular broadcast breaking down a particular controversial play or a penalty or a non-penalty all of that stuff they have done such a good job with the production of these games not interested in Well, see, my idea of a, of a great scenario to watch the Chiefs or watch any game in the playoffs, crank up the fireplace down that big den of mine. Have a fire in the fireplace and that big, uh, my TV's not as big as yours. I think it's on, mine's only 55 inch, but it's a smart TV, beautiful picture. And settle back there and have some popcorn or pretzels try not to get choked plenty of fluids around but that's my idea of a good night of football something about a fireplace that just feels cozy i agree we love our fireplace down in our finished basement so my my fireplace is i don't ever use the one upstairs but I got one in the den downstairs and one in the living room. <clears throat> they both work perfectly. But now so many people use those fire logs instead of wood. I've always used wood <laughs> up until the last last couple two or three last couple of times I guess I used those fire logs. And I was coming out of Snooks. 
the other day, and those, you know what, the box of those fake logs cost? No, I've got a gas fireplace, so. Those logs, Eric, was like, a box of them, like $38, $40, somewhere in there. Oh, boy, that's some heavy lifting for just to have a fire. Of course, I guess if you bought a rank of wood, a rank of wood probably costs you right now, I'd say, what, 250 250 bucks, something like that? I used to rank wood. They used to make me so mad. I was a little snot-nosed kid. And my brothers, would they had, they had a sawmill, and they would saw all that lumber up, those trees up, and saw them into ranks of wood. I'd be the one stacking them on the truck, so they'd go to St. Louis selling it because you'd get twice as much for the wood in St. Louis. And I never got to go to St. Louis, never got to ride long. Every time I'd say, can I ride? Well, there ain't a lot of room, Jess, you know, see ya. Never paid me a nickel for from ranking. Uh, boy. So I didn't have much going for me when I was young. <laughs> Baseball America <clears throat> has released its list, Jess, of top 100 prospects in Major League Baseball. <clears throat> the Cardinals have five of those. I was going to guess three. And we will talk about it when we come back. Quick timeouts. Who are the Cardinals' top prospects according to Baseball America? On average, you know, the average would be, at five, would be 150 for 30 teams. Quick timeout, Sports Huddle. Coming right back. SEMO ESPN. Every day is judgment day. It's a sports huddle on SEMO ESPN Radio, 1220 AM, 93.5 FM. And you can always find us online worldwide at SEMOESPN.com. And uh, you can download our free app. You can listen on your smartphone by going to your app store, search for SEMO ESPN, free download. Our EBOMD huddle hotline number is 573-334-1220. You want to jump in with us? 573 334 one, two. <clears throat> there we go. Knew I wasn't going to get through the show without coughing, sniffing. All right. Baseball America. Jess has released the top 100 prospects in Major League Baseball. In case you're wondering who number one is, Jackson Holiday, the young minor, minor league shortstop in the Baltimore Orioles organization. And we'll see if he makes the club out of spring training. But he's the number one prospect in the sport. The Cardinals have five players in the top 100. Well, Tink's got to be one of them. Mason wins another. That Graceffalo. And Gordon Graceffo is the ninth-ranked Cardinal prospect. It is Mason Wynn, number one, still considered a prospect. Right-handed pitcher Takoya Takoa Roby, yeah, is number two, and the number three is what I think is an extremely intriguing player, Victor Pink. Scott. Yeah, Victor Scott. Yeah, Victor Scott. Comparing him to Mookie Betts. Last year, he earned a promotion to Double A Springfield in June, late June, 
in 66 games, he had 282 and stole 50 bases. When he got promoted to double A, he hit 323, 45 stolen bases in the second half. He tied for the minor league lead with 94 stolen bases and then participated in the Arizona Fall League following the season. Please so. tell me he's a center fielder. Well, he's an outfielder. Well, if he steal that many bases, he should be able to be a good center fielder. That kind of speed. And uh, where does Tink, the pitcher, right now? Tink in? Hentz is the number four yeah, Cardinal prospect. Followed He's by a hundred mile an hour pitcher, Thomas Sagis, who they got. Uh, what was that? The Jordan Montgomery trade. I don't know what trade it was. Wasn't Roby a, a trade also? Didn't he come from another team? I, I think don't, so. I don't think the Cardinals drafted him. Well, five it probably. The is, Rangers drafted him in the third round. So they got him in that 2020, yeah. In that trade, uh, Montgomery. They said the Cardinals got a really good prospect in him. And who knows how, if they do well in AAA? Some of those names on the mound that you mentioned, I don't think Victor Scott would be a, a participant in the Cardinals. But you never know these days. I mean, guys come up from AA, make the jump, and with those kind of credentials. Well, they traded Richie Palacios, so I mean, there's a there's an outfield bench spot available. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't want Victor Scott has to be in the lineup if you're going to bring him up, just like Jordan Walker. If not, they need to be at AAA. But he may be good enough to be your center fielder if he's defensively gifted, along with his base stealing and hitting ability. Well, the Cardinals have already said, <coughs> long as his wrist surgery is if he's back and healthy from wrist surgery that Tommy Edmond is the opening day center fielder for the Cardinals well that's because of Mason Wynn and like I said before in this show roll back the tape he will be the center fielder if Mason Wynn is doing well if Mason Wynn struggles in spring training starts out in AAA or struggles at the beginning of the season, but then Edmonds is going to be your shortstop. I don't have any doubts about that. I wonder how the wrist surgery is going to affect Tommy Edmond. He did not have a good year last year. Well, had... wrist surgery is not going to help. <laughs> That's a tough injury for a hitter. Where are you batting, Edmond? Because... You're talking about a guy who last year, 479 at bats, had a 307 on base. He's barely uh, I, over 300. Yeah, I, at least going in, I, I still think the the peak level for him is still very high. If the wrist injury is not going to affect him that much, I would probably bet Donovan number one on if I was on the Cardinals because his on base percentage is very good. Works a count good. He goes to all fields. He's he's a bona fide number one hitter. Hitter, my estimation. Where are you playing, Brendan Donovan? Well, he needs to play second. 
But you you got to make some room for Gorman somewhere in there. Um, I don't I don't know you you can play him a little bit in the outfield, <clears throat> but the Cards got Jordan Walker and Wright, and then Edmund in center, as you said. I guess left field, left field might be up for grabs. How about this outfield for the Cardinals? Left field. I mean, I, I think they, I think they want to play Lars Newbar out there. Yeah, I, I think so too. You know, that or center, but Edmonds got more foot speed than Newbar. Yep. How about this outfield for the Cardinals? The Rose Arena on left, Thomas Lane in center, Odellis Garcia in right. That'd be a pretty good outfield, wouldn't it? You know, Lane is beginning to get credit for how good he is. I think you Lane might... Thomas was the only all-star yeah, for the Washington Nationals. I said Thomas Lane, but it was Lane Thomas. He... Uh, if I'm, I might be mistaken here. I don't know. But I think he led the National League in assist. Lane Thomas. And Garcia led the American League in assist, if I'm not wrong. Might be worth looking up. Because if I can be proven wrong, I'll, I'll admit I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm not like you. So the first... Game of the year, you expect, I mean, they're going to give Mason Wynn every opportunity, yes. you got to think. Where are you going to bat him? He's got he, bat, doesn't, he doesn't get on base. I is think he, he's got to bat ninth. Ninth hole hitter. Yeah. Him or Edmonds going to bat ninth. So the last two guys in the batting order, Edmund and Wynn, are really questionable. And, you know, you got to get a little offense from the eight and nine. So one of those guys has to do pretty well for the Cardinals to have any kind of scoring ability. But they got about 8-9, I think. They're certainly not going to bat Gorman or Contreras, Donovan, Goldsmith, Arnado. All those guys are going to be ahead of them. So come down to 8-9. Jordan Walker's going to be in there somewhere, but, you know, he's a lot more threat than either one of those two. It's going to be interesting to see how good he is this year, too. Does he improve on what he did? Well, Cardinals, I think he had 276, 16 home runs. That's not bad because he was up and down quite a bit. Don't you think he was? the Cards were satisfied with his offensive production? Certainly not his defense. But it's offense. MLB Network has been ranking the top 10 players at every position. And each week they're debuting a new position. Well, they've already done the catchers, Jess. And Wilson Contreras checks in, according to MLB Network, at number six. Six, yeah. Behind his brother, William, for the Brewers, who is number five. You know, they had the top 10 right fielders. And I was watching it one night. Uh, Cardinals had nobody in the top 10 
but I forget which one it was. Spoke up, might have been the guy from St. Louis. The you know is the lead man on there, Greg Amsinger. Yeah, yeah. It might have been him. I'm not sure, but they showed pictures of Jordan Walker, and he's talking about next year. He he could very well be in the top ten. He top, does have a lot of upside. Top ten catchers. So they actually have a top ten player at the catching position, number six. Um, the top catcher, Baltimore's Adley Rushman, followed by Will Smith of the Dodgers. Romito's got to be in there somewhere. Sean Murphy of Atlanta now. Romito had been number one for a few years. He checks in at number four, and then you've got the two Contreras brothers following Romuto, who is number four now. Rushman is a really, really good player for the Baltimore Orioles. A playoff team. They did the top ten shortstops. Of course, no Cardinals. No, the Cardinals don't even know who's going to be at short. Right. <laughs> Who do you think is uh, number one shortstop? Well, Turner would have to be in the mix, but I don't think he'd be rated by MLB number one. Trey Turner checks in at number five. Yeah, well. The World Series MVP, Corey Seager, number one. Oh, yeah, that's that's no that's a no-doubter for me. Followed by Francisco Lindor of the Mets, number two. I don't know much about him. I, I mean, I remember him playing American League a lot. He's a good player, but he doesn't strike me as number. You say number two? Yeah, he's excellent shortstop. Yeah, he's pretty good. But Xander Bogarts of the Padres, number three, and Bogarts may not even be the best shortstop on the Padres. Fernando Tatis Jr. They yeah. won't let him play short anymore. He's out in the outfield. Uh, so it's Seager, Lindor, Xander Bogarts, Dansby Swanson of the Cubs, number four, and then Trey Turner, number five. Then you've got well, Swanson might be a little higher on my chart. <clears throat> I can see him in the top two. So it's Turner, number five, Bo Bichette, Toronto, number six, Carlos Correa. We had a down year for the Minnesota Twins. Correa, who last year was number two in the top ten shortstops. So it's Correa seven. Willie Adamas of Milwaukee was not ranked last year. He's number eight. Bobby Witt Jr., who was not ranked last year, is number nine. And then J.P. Crawford of Seattle. I really like number Bobby 10. Witt Jr., I think he's the guy that's going to climb up that pole. If I'm the Royals, I'm approaching him about a long-term contract. Buy, buy out his arbitration guy years. Can steal bases, got a cannon for an arm. They made a lot of moves in the offseason, yeah. Kansas City Royals. I think they're going to be better. They're trying to get better. Last year on this MLB Network <laughs> Top 10 list, Trey Turner was number one last year. And Correa was number two. They have dropped precipitously 
Ooh, five. That's a good one. Turner went from one to five. Correa went from two to seven. He just he didn't he didn't have a good year for the Twins. Good player didn't have a good year. And Corey Seager just last year checked in at number four for Texas, but now number one. Well, you and I both you remember when he was a free agent. By far and away, he was both of our number one choices. If Cardinals could get anybody, he would be number one for us. And I think it pretty well panned out with the Rangers. Boy, I tell you what, didn't he have a playoffs? Man, he was good. Playoffs? I didn't say practice. So they're going to release. Okay, today's the 18th. So MLB Network, Jess, tonight will do the top 10 first baseman right now. Coach Smith will be about number seven. I mean that. He's definitely top 10. Yeah. So that'll be tonight on MLB Network. You I think he has that. been number one. His, uh, I don't know where he ranked last year. Coming off his MVP season, but the the bat speed, we certainly saw him get beat by fastballs more this past season, and now this will be age thirty six. And you wouldn't think uh, fastballs would be the big problem with him because he goes the other way so well, and when you go the other way, you have to wait longer, you know, to keep your bat back. So you would think that. But what guys do, they start doing when they lose the bat speed is cheating. You know, they'll start their bat quicker, which means that for them to get around the fastball, they have to be in motion before, a split second before they used to do it. And uh, the guys that can go the other way <clears throat> usually don't have to cheat as early as Goldschmidt did. I'm not saying he did this year, past year, but he did look overpowered to me a few times that you didn't think he would be with the pitcher on the mound this is that night. So some guys are old at 35, 36. And I'm talking about old in the sport. I mean, you're a very young man or woman at 36, but uh, in sports, <laughs> 30s, you can be your best. Uh, they used to say uh, the four years that a baseball player is his best. In other words, his talent, his age, his health, his body, and everything else. A baseball player was 28 to 32 peak years. So from 32, by those standards, you would be heading the other direction. That's why by 36... You know, you could be a superb athlete and take care of yourself and be in great condition, but it doesn't matter. Age is going to take over somewhere along the way. So some football news. Jerry Jones <clears throat> says he's bringing Mike McCarthy back. Yep, that's all that, too. So McCarthy will be back. Well, you can justify it. I mean, by his regular season record, you could also justify it if you fired him. 
Don't you think one of those guys that you, you know considering the free agent coaches that yeah, are options? Yeah, there's plenty of them out there that I would rank ahead of him. Jim Harbaugh has interviewed with the Chargers and the Falcons. Belichick has interviewed with the Falcons. And you know, you could take a, a Belichick to Dallas, for instance, with a, the actual on the field talent that they have. They may win a Super Bowl right away or go deep into the playoffs. Sometimes, you know, their talent is there. And it's just a matter of... You think Belichick could coexist with Jerry Jones? No, maybe not. (laughs) Other football news, Jess. Country star Reba McIntyre will sing the national anthem. At the Super Bowl. I'm okay with that. She might sing it the right way. That's one song I don't think you should mess with. It's not a signature song for someone to go up and jazz it up. I'm sorry. I'm old school. But that's one song that you don't need to put your stamp on it if you know what i mean which a lot of singers do they want to do it differently and memorably we had one of the great national anthems of the super bowl last year from chris stapleton he was phenomenal whitney houston's probably got the most popular one don't you think I'd say, I'd say she's number one. That was unbelievably beautiful. And of course, I'm, I'm going with Stapleton number two. She's, I mean, she had a great voice, let's face it. I mean, she could sing anything. Dolly Parton wrote the song of I Will Always Love You, and she sang it. But when Whitney Houston sung it, she said, I could see there that that song was for her. And it was. I think that song was a soundtrack of uh, Kevin Costner and her and him being her guard. Bodyguard. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jess, hello to the uh, lovely and talented Dawn Sean. She has a day off today, back to work tomorrow. Hope she has a wonderful day. Got a uh, final nugget for us? Yeah, I want to say hi to my girls down in Texas and Columbia, as always, and Neva here in Cape. My little sister, who's getting better each day from her surgery. Good news. I don't know if she's going to work yet or not. And my boys, Jess and Tom, running around here somewhere in this area. I'm going to give you this one today. This is new material, I think. You know, in your life, if you, those story, if you have... One friend, it's it's great. You have two friends, it's unusual. And have three friends, it's impossible. So you don't have very many true friends. This one is written by Cyril Connolly, C-Y-R-I-L. The friendships that last are those wherein each friend respects the other's dignity to the point of not really wanting anything from him. That's pretty good, I think. I respect your dignity, and I don't really want anything from you. I couldn't get it anyway because you owe me several Andy's milkshakes, which I'll never get. 
I can't even get one in freebies when the Red Hawks yeah, get shame. the record. That's yeah, a shame. I'm going to see if I can find somebody that dropped a ticket on the floor. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, when they when they win the Andes. I told you, you can take your media credentials. They'll, you know, they'll yeah. give you a I don't want to act like a big Andrews. shot walking there with my media credentials. But, uh, you know, most of the time you can find tickets laid on the floor, you know, along with popcorn boxes and everything else. But when Andy's, the you don't see any tickets laying around on the floor. People like well, they're digital tickets coupons. now. They're digital. You got it on your phone. Well, you didn't have to mess up my it's theme. Like Don, I had a story. Don going. Sean's got season tickets, and she I know. Downloads and you just them all. you just have to shoot somebody down. Always have to correct them. Gosh, yeah, I had a good story going there too. But about ticket stubs on the floor. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was good. Yeah. All right, Jess. Uh, you ever danced with sawdust on the floor? Danced? Dance. D-A-N-C-E. Yeah, dance. You can't dance, can't you? Don't recall dancing with sawdust on the floor. Well, you've never been in the South or in a... No, I've never place. been in the South. No. Ever. Well, I can't dance either. You say I couldn't dance. I just well, don't you think probably I've can't. danced with sawdust. You're left-handed. Well, yeah, so your feet can slide around good. All right. It's mostly for slow dancing. You know that. Yeah. Don, Sean, and I dance in our kitchen. We've got a sign above the kitchen that says, In this kitchen, we dance. Well, it's, uh, nothing wrong with dancing nope. in your house. All right, Jess. You probably bet somebody walk up. And, in my house, see, you can look through the windows easy. And walk up and see you dancing in the living room. They probably say, "Well, what they got going? Maybe should knock." Back tomorrow? I don't know. All right, I might. We'll give it a shot. Hope you enjoy the rest of Thursday, everybody.